Welcome to a special episode of the My White Belt Show. I am your host, Jim Trick. On Tuesday, August 8th, devastation hit Lahaina, Maui. The entire town of Lahaina was burned to the ground, including homes, businesses, lives were lost. August 8th was a national tragedy. And part of the devastation included the destruction of Aloha Roll. This special episode features a conversation with Professor Gilberto Castro, a jiu-jitsu black belt, an academy owner, and a man who is working hard to rise from the ashes literally and physically as he creates an opportunity for people in his age in in his area to heal yes and, and also to get back on the mat as part of that so this is obviously a unique episode and you will have an opportunity to support Aloha Roll and Professor Professor Castro, they are working to not only raise money to reopen their academy, right now they are providing jiu-jitsu for free for anybody, for children in particular in the area that wants to train. Uh, and they are raising money to not only reopen their academy, but to support people in their community that have literally lost everything. So... I hope that this I hope that this conversation will increase your gratitude for every good thing in your life. I know it did that for me. I hope that it will that it will inspire you to an even greater level of appreciation of the life-changing practice of jiu-jitsu. And I hope that it will spark generosity in you, that if you are able, that you would support Professor Castro and Aloha Roll as they reestablish. And now, a conversation with Professor Gilberto Castro. We are here today on a special episode of the My White Belt Show with Professor Gilbert Castro. Professor Castro, what a pleasure it is to have you here. It, it is our pleasure to to be part of your uh, podcast today, definitely. Professor, what does jujitsu mean to you? Uh, life-changing. That is what it is. It, it, it was uh, definitely the moment that I wear my white belt, the moment that I had the courage to step in the mats because it was like anybody else, a lot of fears. I, it was a life-changing experience. My habits and my life totally changed. How long ago was that? 18 years ago. 18 years is a long time to do anything, my man. 18 is a long time to do anything. What made you... I guess I have two questions about the early days. What what made you start? And 
what made you stick with it? Okay. First one, uh, it was um, a life-threatening situation. Uh, I think um, someone uh, actually cut my brake lines on my car, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, and then that was uh, uh, my now partner in life for the last 18 years, uh, Linda's ex-boyfriend, right? Uh, he didn't accept the situation that she was moving forward and whatever. And then that person cut my brake lines. I tried to confront it. And then people would tell me, be careful, Gilberto. That guy either have a knife or a gun. Was this in Mexico? Was this in Mexico or was and, it here? No, this is here in Maui. Wow. <laughs> yes. This is here in Maui. Uh, this is here in Maui. Uh, so, anyways, that was that was the fact where I talked to one of my friends and he saw me worry about it. And he's like, What happened, Gilberto? And and then I told sure everything compound and then what it was, and he's like a uh, his name is Rob, and uh, his Rob is like a. Tell me who is it? I will put him on the Cadillac, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put him under a Cadillac. <laughs> put him on the Cadillac, and then I said, no, 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 because I truly believe he could he put it on the Cadillac. A skinny guy, and and then and then I saw him one time. We were playing baseball. Couple guys tried to guide him, and he just dodged him, take him down, and then so you know he was chucking him up in the back, and I'm like, "Wow, you know." I was like, "He's like, I'm gonna show you something, Gilberto. I'm gonna show you something. Let's go to the park tomorrow, and then I'm gonna show you something." And obviously, you know the story. Less than three minutes, I couldn't do. I, I was already. This guy was half of my size, and then and he was put. He was kicking my butt with my own foot. Right. It, it's incredible. It, it's my father was in my father was stationed in Japan like 60 something years ago. And he studied judo at the Kodokan. And he would tell me stories about little tiny Japanese guys who could throw him around. And I would think, you know, your dad tells you a story and you think he's just kind of telling you a story. And now I go to class and I literally get thrown around by guys that are half my size and when you try to explain it to people they just kind of go oh wow yeah cool like i said to my dad but if they could see it or if they could experience it so your friend in the park you get your first taste of it yeah but it's, it's but it's keep going yeah. yeah no go ahead well and then and then we were very lucky they uh Professor Luis Herrera, uh, black belt from Hickson Gracie, mm. had his academy here. You know, uh, yeah. Professor Lemont, uh, he he opened his door to us. And then we live in Lahaina and we would have to just drive to Haiku, that is our 15 minute drive, you know. And then uh, obviously we got the best jiu jitsu that we can get in island through him, right? It was different back then, though, wasn't it? Wasn't jujitsu culture different 18 years ago? It was definitely different, you know? And <laughs> it, it, it was like, a, the, you're the tough guy, you're going to survive. You're going to stay. Right. You, how much you 
want it. Right. That you really want it. Right. That and will, it kind of like weeded people out. You know, <laughs> it was like. That would probably answer the second question, right? That you say, yes. that you ask. Why you make, what, what you stay. Right. What make you stay? The need of survivor and the need of being confident. And then the need of, I don't know. And it, that was the first sport that I ever practiced by myself. They, yeah. That was the first sport that I didn't have to have. Uh, okay, oh, we can play basketball. This person is there, whatever. We need partners. But my commit, but the commitment was individually, you know, onto it. Did you see yourself as a tough guy or a confident guy before you started jujitsu? I saw myself as a confident as a. I, I would think I was I was a, a a Mexican Aztec warrior all the time. Okay, okay, kind of like I, ingrained in your culture, right? Yes, I, I, every time I don't know all those school stories about the Aztecs fighting the Spain people. Identify myself with that, you know. Yeah, the yeah. Guys, yeah. They, will, they will, will lost one leg, but they were still jumping, trying to get the other yeah. guy. We we have we have a guy that we have a guy that's friends with us, uh, friends with our academy. His name is Ed, and he's gonna if he's listening right now, he's gonna love this. We actually call him the Aztec Warrior. It's like this guy is like, no matter what you say to him, he's like, no problem. You just do this, and he's like, he's like, you know, he's like so confident. But it's funny how uh, how jujitsu takes even the most confident person and humbles you. That that is what I was like. I wrestled Professor Luis the first day there too. They get to his school and then this is guy that is 155 pounds and I was 260 pounds at that time. I was overweight and then mentally tough a certain degree, but yeah. I had nothing, no yeah. skills for fighting. What I was your first? <laughs> yeah, big heart, right? Yeah, which is which is really what anybody needs. You know, our show is geared towards people who are in their first. Uh, listen, everybody, thank thankfully, a lot of different kinds of people listen to the show. Black belts listen to the show. Um, Horion has been on the show, so we had at least one red belt on the show. So I think he listens occasionally, but um. We have a lot of people who have never even had a trial class yet. They have not rolled around with their friend in the park. So I'm curious about like what was your first year or two like? What did you what do you remember working on in your early days? And what do you remember having to overcome in those early days? All right. My I I I remember my early days trying to just make sure that I could finish the warm-up. <laughs> I, I love... Okay, so this is... People aren't watching this on video, but if you could see, like, we're sitting... I'm sitting here with a an 18-year veteran of jiu-jitsu who has a black belt and owns an academy, remembers that he... His, he had a hard time even finishing the warm-up and look at you now. Right. Okay. Uh, so, okay. So early days, you had a hard time. <laughs> that makes me feel up. so much better about myself. I have, to, I'm a purple belt now, but I still, I still, you know, it's all work. It's still hard work for me, but that makes me feel better. Okay. That was, that, that that was the first finishing thing. The warm up. Um, 
that I remember feel so dizzy doing a front roll or never mind trying to do a back roll. My belly was all over my face and I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't have the flexibility or the agility to do a back roll. I remember doing hog the rolls instead of back rolls, you know, and, and then right after it was, you know, thinking that I was tough, but I wasn't the tough or I was tough, but I wasn't skillful. And they, start thinking okay let's let's build skills because the toughness is not helping did you dream did you dream at that point that someday you would have a black belt and that someday you would own an academy well i wouldn't on our culture on on maui jiu-jitsu Never was about to chase the color belts or the promotions. Right. right. That's good. Pastor Luis was very clear. They, our culture was about to a uh, help each other, right? To a uh, guide and strive through a uh, building the skills. And then with the promotions will come, will come. So I didn't, I remember, I remember a, uh, just like a Gilberto, you, you wasn't here in promotion, but you need this now. You, you, oh, Professor, sorry, I, I had to be on, on Mexico in that time, and, and it wasn't a better time for me to be. I, I didn't want to disrespect the promotion system, but it's like, okay, no, and then they will give me the belts or, or the stripes and that. So the dream of getting a black belt didn't was my, my carrot on this uh, journey. Mm. The carrot was the brotherhood that we had, you know, that we yes. have. That was the brotherhood. That was that was the see my friend Joe, see my friend Rob, see Sam, uh, Sunday, uh, and obviously our professor, right? And then yeah. uh, because for me it was a, a a drive, hour and fifteen minutes one way, get there fifteen minutes early. Because otherwise, professors say, "I don't care where you come from; you got to be here on time." Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, and do that hour and a half class, or maybe two classes, do the fundamentals, and after that, do the advanced, and then, and then, and then come back another hour and a half. You know, and then if it was a lot of tourists in that traffic in the small town in Paia, you stuck there for 15, 30 minutes, and then. And, and it was a seven day, seven hour to get hour and a half of jujitsu. Wow. This is and then the, we did it for 12 years in haiku. From doing from doing this podcast for a little over a year, I've gotten to connect with academies and, and practitioners all over the world. And I know, you know, when I walk into when I walk into my academy. I love my training partners and it literally is like a family. And some of those family members are crazy, right? And some of those family members are just like, maybe you have a brother or a sister or a cousin or an uncle that sometimes it's a little tense, but at the end of the day, you know that you're in this thing together that knits you together tightly. And it's like you and I, we've never met before, right? We've never met before, but never. the minute we're here on this call, it just we we know, 
right? There's this thing that we have in common that we love and we are a global, we're a global family. And in a minute, we're going to get into what happened to you on the 8th. But in the same way that you've described a little bit for us, your path in jujitsu, tell us about Aloha Roll. Tell us about your immediate jujitsu family there on Lahaina. All right. So if after I was teaching since I was like brown belt uh, in Lahaina, we would teach two classes per week for the ones that couldn't drive to Haiku, right? Mm-hmm. The ones that had the families, the works, and everything else. And and we and Professor uh, and Maui Jiu Jitsu was a, we were an extension of them, right? And after a couple of years, well, no, I, I like after a year, the summer came and then the parents of my friends, kids, Gilberto, please do a uh, self-defense for the kids. And then, and I think we saw a couple of videos of the Gracie family doing the um, uh, anti-bullying. Oh, yeah. Program. And then, and I said, okay, this is perfect for the kids. Let's follow that curriculum. Let's pick up the eye contact, the three twists. Tall, tell, talk, tell, tackle, right? The three T's. And then, and then you're like, okay, let's talk to the kids. They, you got to have eye contact with them and tell them to stop. I don't mean it, whatever. They don't listen. You talk to the teacher, to the parents, to whatever is around you. The person keep make physical contact with you. And then you already talk to them. You warn them. You talk to the doll, they're supposed to talk to them, but this person still t- trying to get advantage of whatever you are. You got to take an action here yeah. and put it down and tell them, do not do it again because I don't like it. Right? Talk, tell, tackle, baby. Yeah. That's good. So, any- yeah. So, anyways, tremendous success. We, we were charging five dollars per kid a class, and then that money wasn't even for us. It was for the gym that was allowed us to have the classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a regular worker gym. The the guy is like, "Oh, it's a lot of people coming. How much are I gonna get?" And I'm like, "Okay, don't worry. The money's gonna be for you." You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirty kids first day. Really? Thirty kids first day. So how did you advertise it? It was just uh, we're in a small we're in a, in a small community. Yeah, they, we all knew a lot of people. The three may the three persons that were involved here. It, it was uh, Professor Dimitri, that is our highest ranked belt in this side of the island, and Professor uh, Mark Goodwin. He just got his black belt, but he is a master of teaching kids. He knew teaching kids before I even knew how to teach kids. Wow. So okay. Tremendous. His son is a world champion, pan champion. You know, he's only 11 years old, 12 years old. It's amazing. His, his ability. So anyways, after the summer finish, and I say, well, see you guys later, you know, have a hotel job. They said, no, Gilberto, you need to, we need this for the kids. Hundred percent every day, and then, and that's when Aloha Roll start start uh, creating his own place, 
Uh, one of my students was a real estate. He said, I find a spot. I walked to the spot and the real estate looked at me and like, do you like it? And I said, you kidding me? I love this place. It have an ocean view. The windows, every sunset was like a paint. You can see it on our wow. website. They're like, yeah, a, yeah. you know, I've that is a it. paint, right? I'm like, but show me the garage because I cannot afford this. <laughs> <laughs> I see a garage downstairs in the building. Show me the garage because I cannot afford this. And then I, I literally say, no, I, I cannot afford this. I knew. And the lady's like, I know we have a need over here. They've been using this parking lot to, to rip uh, tourist cards. They are... They're, they they bring in, dump the cars, strip the cars, and then leave them over here. It's been three years that nobody's been in this part of the building. It's on the second floor. And then and people that's drugs and dealing drugs wow. over here. And, and then uh, we need some serious presence of somebody that will respect it. And then... <laughs> Who better? Who better, right? Who better? Yeah. They're either going to put a police department in there or a jujitsu school, and they're probably more afraid of the jujitsu guys than they are the cops. Mm -hmm. And how then, long ago was that? Uh, that is five and a half years ago. Wow. Okay. Five and, and a half years ago. And so, tell me about your students. Tell me, tell me what it's like to own this academy, and tell me about your students. Well, a uh, we're talking about. Our academy is a lot high belts on the academy. Right now, we're like 20 black belts. Wow. 20 black belts. Uh, maybe, yes, like seven browns, uh, five purples, 10, ten uh, blue belts, and then a bunch of white belts because Those that's what I'm working on it. Those a poor blue, those poor belts. blue belts. All I can say is those poor <laughs> blue belts, right? Because I can tell you what, man, with that ratio, your blue belts do not have easy training. No. Well, <laughs> I tell you something too. Some of those blue belts are college and really wrestlers. Oh, are the ones the black belts. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then I feel bad for some of your black belts too. <laughs> I, we have a kid that, that he literally beat all the 20 black belts already. It is a blue wow. belt, and, and then he is talented. His name is Kabehi. Kabehi. All right. Shout yeah, out to Kabehi. I don't want to I don't want to fight with that guy. But anyways, the main part of this too, Jim, is the wrestling in the academy or coming to Aloha Roll, being in a social a tourist town. The world traveled to Maui, and then we have visitors of all levels. And then you you can walk one day, and is uh, it, it was Jiraiya favor on the floor, uh, on the stairs, and it's like, this is the door. And then for what? Oh, my name is Jiraiya favor. No, I'm not kidding, right? <laughs> I know who you are. You know, you're famous. And, yeah, the academy just on the spot, you know, and then. And then I think what makes the difference that all those celebrities came to our academy, it was and it is the aloha spirit, the aloha culture, where you see everybody as a family member, 
where we or our aunties, uncles, and you know, nephews and and nieces, and then it, it, it that word spreads out really fast. It's you know, fam- yeah. And if you have, and if you if you see it that way, right? If you see it that way, because listen. The world is the world is crazy. The world is a little crazy right now. And people are craving connection. People are craving family. They're craving a place where they can go and belong and fit in and connect. And it sounds like, you know, it sounds like Aloha Roll has really embraced the spirit of what it is to have a jujitsu culture that invites people in and makes them feel connected and included it's a it's a it's a better way it's a better way to live jim it is overwhelming it's overwhelming on social media right now yeah people don't say they just don't say oh help him i know it's nice they wrote stories the day they work on the academy Mm -hmm. how they feel like it what color belt they wore, how many stripes they have at that time, and now they are black belts, whatever. Uh, it, it is it's it is overwhelming, especially to see the our mission as an academy. It is strongly focused on our community. We really believe the our majority of our members are kids. A majority of members are kids. We have yeah. around 130 kids. And maybe we have 70 adults. That's awesome. So because when my Kapuna, my person that went do the blessing, our Hawaiian Kapuna say, Gilberto, I'm going to do the blessing. What do you want to be this? And I say, kids and women. Mm. This have to be for them. We are tough men. Somehow we can defend ourselves for just the strength and the sizes, mm-hmm. but kids and women, yeah. they need the confidence, they need the skill. Yeah. I wish I would have had that when I was younger, when I yes. was in the age, you know? The same. I, I, it means my heart, I love my adults, all of them, and and I'm deeply connected with the white belt. I'm the only one that teach white belt classes over there. But man, kids, we, we don't this. We accept anybody that wants to put the gear on. I don't mm-hmm. care if you have some spectrums on your class or you have some physical abilities that limitate you. I was that person. Yeah, I never was the smartest guy, and I never was the most fit person. Yep, I'm with you. And so that is what it felt like when people embrace me on my words. Mm-hmm. Is the persons that I remember the best, and I feel like a it helps me to to be patient, patient and compassion to myself, so I can be patient, compassion to everybody else, and we can share this, right? Like twelve or thirteen years ago, when I was very overweight, my my professor now he was a brown belt at the time, and he invited me. He invited me to a class at the academy where he was attending. And like he, he looked at me and he said, this would be good for you. You would like this. And he gave me this gift. And it's like, 
God, you have been entrusted with this gift and just watching you feel moved by the, by the kids that have been entrusted to you and the gift that you're giving. And, um, you know, some people, some people in martial arts just see their students as dollar signs. They just see them, you know, as, as a way to make some money and they don't really care, but just like spend five minutes with you and you instant, we instantly feel your heart towards jujitsu, your teachers, your story, and this gift that you're giving to the children and the way that in your traditional Hawaiian way, blessing your academy. But life isn't, you know, life isn't always a series of, um, of cookies and cakes and rainbows and butterflies. There are dark days as well. Tell me what it was like when you woke up on the 8th. What was that day like? Okay, on the 8th, I wake up. I normally, I I have a a morning routine where my nephew that is 13 years old, and I've been teaching him jiu-jitsu since he was five, uh, we work out. He wants, now he, jiu-jitsu is on the side, but he wants to be a professional player, right? Yeah, and then I say, you want to be professional baseball player? You got to do what nobody does. You get all you, all your friends are doing something. You can do what they never want to do. And I'm gonna wake up at five o'clock in the morning, and I pick you up at certain time, right? At five forty-five, you got to be outside the door. I don't want to honor. I don't want to call. You got to be out with you with him, and he's there for a year consistently. I have felt two times to get there. My alarm whatever <laughs> excuses I can give you, but he's there all the time. That was my morning routine and we worked there. I I I was about to pick him up and everything. And then um and I I knew the wind was too strong. And I call and, and then I show up in the gym. The gym was closed. The CrossFit gym was closed. And then okay, no gym. So I went to my academy to do some deep cleaning and then Whatever, no power. The power went off around, uh, I would say, no, it, it was off from the beginning, right? Five in the morning. Five in the morning, the first, the power was since five o'clock in the morning was was uh, no power. So I was just cleaning and, and ready to put a sign out there, no jiu-jitsu today. And uh, my white belt, white belt class started showing up. And like, okay, you guys want to do jujitsu in the dark? Let's do it. It's windows. It's gonna be a little. It's not fully dark, but it yeah. will be no, uh, noisy, no whatever, no whatever, right? And there's no professor. Let's do it. So I have eight students in that class. That class normally is around between uh, eighteen to twenty students, and it's all white belts uh, between. Uh, uh, between 25 to 40 years old, mainly 30 to 40. But anyways, they show up, we work, we do our curriculum. By the way, I love the podcast that you did earlier. They talk about how they focus two months on one topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they get really bad. Well, we, is that what we're doing, right? We work just one topic and whatever, boom. And then we look out 
and you you know the dumpsters, the dumpsters, the ravaged dumpsters yeah. were rolling like a paper on the floor. Wow. Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> this is the strongest we'd ever see. Wow. You know? And then they were like, oh, okay. I went, secured it, put him in a safe corner so we didn't hit a car or whatever. And we're on the second floor looking down, palm trees moving from one side to another one, you know, and and coconuts falling and and I was like, okay, this is a good one. And definitely no class in the afternoon. <laughs> wow. And I, and I laugh and 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 from my uh, I live outside Lahaina. My gym is right in the middle of Lahaina. And and then we we left um, seven miles away from, from town, and then the smoke started coming. Uh around they contained they 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 say it was one fire uh 10 o'clock in the morning, and then I look up from my place uh, on the academy and then it was contained. They they radio say fires contained, blah blah blah. And then, then when I was getting out of the academy, it is uh, uh an intersection. It, it one big electric pole was being replaced. It was you know, and I, it was so strong. I'm like, okay, I don't know how these guys are doing this. And then drive home, and all the traffic was going in a different direction. By Four o'clock, the smoke started shining out, and it was very dark smoke. Very dark smoke. I never see it before. We normally, what happens, Lahaina is like in a hill to the mountain, and then obviously on the bottom is the ocean. All the fires that we had before, the wind will blow from the ocean to the mountain, and it burn the bush and then it started getting in the little forest that we have up there in the mountain. This time the wind came over the mountain through town through the ocean. And it was so strong. They obviously uh, the devastation was terrible, but uh we didn't see that nothing. We can no communications ready, no cell phone signals. We can make a phone call attacks. Nothing. So you didn't know what you normally used to do. Hey, what's going on in Lahaina? Or or somebody puts, oh, the sun, uh, Paul falling in Times Market, you know? Right, and right, right. I didn't know nothing straight until my sister, uh, the, uh, when my sister texted me, we drive, my, oh, I wasn't, I drive north to get signal. And my mom is like, your sister's one. I'm like, oh, wow, she have a big house, you know, and I'm, and it's my dad, my sister, my brother-in-law, my nephew, and another dog. So tell them to come. I have a small apartment here. We, this is your house. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, no, tell them to come. And then they say when they come, it's like, a, it was explosions, Gilberto. Houses will get on fire and they literally will explode. Wow. And I'm like, no way. How did that happen? I don't know why. I don't know how, but we couldn't breathe. It was getting too dark. We see Eugene burning. I'm like, no, you probably see the, the fields in the back burning. I don't think so. I don't believe that. So you didn't even, 
You not you just didn't even think. You thought they had to have been wrong. There's no way. There's no, no way that houses can be exploding and my gym can be burning down. It's impossible. No. That can't happen here. Impossible. So until two o'clock in the morning, uh, one of my students, his name is Kekoa, uh, he knocks on my door. Gil, Gil, you gotta live now. You gotta live now. The fire is in Kanapali. Kanapali is the next part of town from Lahaina, from south to north. And then they say, what do you mean? No, 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 you got to go now, now. And I and I was like, man, I ran out of with not t-shirt and sleeping still. And like, what's going on? Lahaina, Lahaina is bonds. It's bonds, girl. What do you mean is bonds? It's gone. Lahaina is gone. Pizza Hut, no more Taco Bell, everything is burned. And you're like, Taco Bell is front of my business, is passing my business. I'm like, I've got a hard time to swallow that. And you're like, what you were doing there? I was saving people. I was putting people in my truck. I drove over dead, burned bodies. No. No. Yes, girl. It wasn't no option. Poles were falling. People were dying in their cars. Uh, I had to drag people. I pick up. I, I pick somebody. Their crocs were melting to his feet. Wow! People is jumping in the water to save their lives right now. So every time I would come back, I couldn't come back farther. We were just and then I'm like everything was like a so so hard to even believe it. Did he save your life? Well, uh, we went to verify the fire, and they contained that fire, so we couldn't. We wouldn't need to evacuate where we live, where we have already my family. I see. You know, and then and then, and then it was like, okay, now we got to stand up here all night. We will watch night if the fire will move or not, because it was obviously you. You guys probably see all those news, right? And yeah. It, that was the day off. And then just and now the next day you see some of the local guys they have motorcycles that they, they went and looked for people they have missing. They yeah. went to 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 prove that what people were saying, and they will come back with beaters in their phones. It was no communication. They will come back with beaters in their phone and, and they're gonna sh- and they will show you. Man, I passed by your house. Look how your house looks like. They would tell the people, or oh, this is this is where uh, the shopping center was. And then it was no, this is not true. This is this is somewhere else. This is this is like a this is a, a worse song. Yeah. This is a worse song. I it doesn't match with the pictures the last time that I see this few hours ago yesterday. What do you do? What do you do with it, Professor? What do you, how do you get your head around it? Like, what are you, I mean, there's so much, there's so much here emotionally and uh, for your community. It, it first is like, how many people that I know probably died? That was the first thing that sank into my, uh, first, last time that we got a fire was only four houses right they got damaged and then and you see the the news on 
on the fires in California, whole towns, full full towns gone, five people die, right? Right, right. Times they are like three, ten times bigger than our town. And you're like thinking, well, nobody died. This guy just exaggerated what he taught me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. He might, I don't know. That's what am I still thinking? Right. And then Linda had the, uh, we cannot find my cousin. We cannot find my cousin. We got to go look for him. And at this point, they open a little bit the road. So you have a little bit of flow to the other side. Yep. They will not allow you freely get to town, but we find a way to get to town. We drive, we park far, and then we start walking through town. It was, if I wouldn't see the videos first, I would probably not be able to walk there. But I think there was a little bit of buffering on the watching those videos of the people that were bringing on their phones, right? Yeah. But it was like places they 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 you take your dogs for a walk, places, places they uh, they you you want to you know they your daily routines where you go grab your coffee or whatever they're gone. They're gone. So, uh, and then you see the cars, the engine blocks melt on the floor. I was like, this is no regular fire. Yeah. And then, and then we go find, try to find uh, Linda's cousin through town. We went to the house they, they used to have. It was all ashes to the floor. Oh my God. Uh, we recover a safety box. The safety have some uh, silver um, silver coins. They were supposed to be fireproof. The safety it were melted inside. It, it was that I talked to my my students. They he's a fireman. He say it was over thousand degrees heat. This is why the houses disappear and mm-hmm. the cars got bare metal. And, and yeah, so it's hard to see so, that. So now, you know, a week later, when you go, what does it look like now? What does the scene look like? What does even what does cleanup look like? And in terms of like, I've heard stories about trying that, like the process of trying to identify people who have died in the fires is like literally they're relying on DNA, like. I mean, this is a, this is a, this is an awful, awful, awful. Well, eh, we actually, personally, I went, I, we tried to get to town, to Middletown uh, two days ago. I volunteered for a, a group of, um, to, to search for um, some urns and a Joto mission. Uh, they they have the the remains of ancestral people on a on a temple. They want to go and recover, right? It was impossible to get there. It was National Guard, federal agents. It is a uh, a lot of sheriffs from all over the country. It's over a thousand. Uh, I think it's over a thousand federal agents right now in town, and then they have this massive search with dogs. 
and everything. They, uh, I, what I got worried about this is they, one of my students say, Gilberto, we visit the mark and then most of the losses bodies are kids. Oh, yeah. That day, that day, because the winds and no power, they cancel all the cool all the schools. So everybody, kids, everybody was at home. Everybody was at home. The kids they were older were watching the older the younger kids. The families probably working. Kids are kids distracted inside home. A so when I got that news, I was like, a, a, because we sent first a, a, a headcount through our system and team reached the app to see families, whatever. When we got that news, we we like, a, no, we got to get through headcount, one phone call by one phone call until we get everybody back's information and look for social media and see if they're okay right now. And then so far, we haven't get any bad news on our students that any kid had lost their life. We have one family that our kid that he lost four family members. Oh my god, Gail, it's awful. Yeah. Yes. So he's this kid is a only eight years old and he lost four family members. That was the worst not uh, in our community. Besides people, they, we have uh, uh, around 49 people that lost their homes. They either own it or they were living on it. And um, But the processing in Lahaina right now, it is, it, it, it is you know, it's hard still to... Pass through right now. You pass for the bypass. They calling you. Go through the mountains and you see the destruction of the city. But I think the the hardest part was the ones they walked the next day after try to find any signs of life of the pensions that they were missing. Yeah, the ones that we walked to it, and then we were trying to see if it's any signs that they made it out and they may be lost in one of the. One of the refugee spots. That is that was the uh, that that is probably most. Of the, I I talked to Koa, the guy that came and knocked on my door. Yeah, uh, like a three days later, and then he was laying down on his couch. He said he was having a hard time breathing for all the smoke that he got. I bet. And then, man, his hands were like this interlock and i was talking to him and he was telling me the same story that he told me before but you can tell he was way more conscious now yeah he was like squeezing his hands and 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 and, 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 and getting in a way that i never seen him is the strongest mental person i know tough guys like a big 350 hawaiian Pounds of love over there. Yeah, 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 that's a big boy. Yeah. So, and then he said, uh, you know, I see him on that, in that mindset, 
it was like, man, I taught him, you're going to need some help yeah. to get through this. Get over the PTSD from it. Very, very, you very serious. To. I thought so, you, you will. So it the sense that I get from, you know, from your students reaching out to me and getting to know you is that Aloha Roll doesn't tap to this. You guys are not going to tap to this fire, right? And we're going to call on the global jujitsu community to say that, listen, there's our local family. We have a fa- I have I have a family, my jujitsu family here in Massachusetts, but you are also my brother um, and you're in Hawaii. And then we have other brothers and sisters all over the world. And, and I can't promise you anything. All I can tell you is that the people who the people who hang out in the my white belt world, they blow my mind in terms of uh, in terms of a lot of things you know they're generous and they support the other thing that is unique about the my white belt community is that everybody sort of operates from the heart it's very unusual that we get an idiot you know most people are very vulnerable and open hearted and they want to see they want to see people all over the world getting to train jujitsu. So when this episode goes out, there'll be a link to the GoFundMe. And I would ask that, you know, I would ask that anybody that is able to, uh, my white belt is not like this huge money-making operation. Eventually I'd like to make my living. I'd like to do it full time for my, for my job. Cause I love it. But right now it's a community and my hope is that everybody, you know, if, if you were if you if you were going to buy a t-shirt or do this, that, and the other thing, just send that money to the GoFundMe and um support support Professor Gilbert, support Aloha Roll, support the people of of Lahaina, and let's uh let's show let's show this brother. It, it, listen, you're a professor, right? But you're our brother. So let's show this brother. Let's show him and Linda and his family in in Hawaii that we care about them. And we want to see this academy reopen. We want to see these kids who get to train jujitsu get back on the mat. There's something about whenever any of us experiences any kind of tragedy, there's something about getting back to what ever piece of normalcy you can get back to and people being able to no one is going to no one is going to quote unquote get over this this is a this is a a national tragedy but we all know that time on the jujitsu mat is healing for so many parts of our lives and i believe that the faster aloha roll can get back on its feet and people can get back on the mat that that's going to help people heal. I think it's going to help you heal, frankly, Professor. You know, this is heavy, heavy stuff. Yes, uh, we we definitely have a, a short term, mid term, and, uh, and 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 a long term plan to this. Uh, this past Friday, we start our first kids jujitsu free kids jujitsu class. We we want to do free jujitsu. Until we find the place that we can call it home. Great. Uh, uh, Professor Mark, find, uh, he works in a restaurant and they allow him to 
to teach classes in the restaurant for the kids. Uh, Professor Dimitri, the other founder, those, those two persons, those the person that I mentioned you, they're the ones that wanted to help me to, to build the first part of the community. Oh, wow. And now he is teaching on his, uh, he's teaching on his garage in his house. Uh, last night, we, we got a call from a, a community center. They use a, a, a barn for like a two shed where they do their landscaping work and everything. They just asked me if we can get a Matson container that they can put outside that, uh, right next to that chuck, we can have the chuck to, to have a, a midterm location where we can have adults and kids and then and teach jujitsu from there for free. Amazing. We're gonna teach it for free. We will know that we will not charge. The community is not ready to to be charged Pay, and paying for stuff. Yeah, it's family now. No. Right now it's like now it's like we're all in this together. Yes. Uh, what an what what an honor what an honor it is to have met you. I wish that it was under uh, happier circumstances. And you know, I have this. I have I have a dream that that one day, uh, my girlfriend and I will fly out to Hawaii, and when when things are settled, and and she and I will get to hang out with you. Does Linda train? Oh yes, yes. Yeah. My, my girlfriend does it too. My girlfriend doesn't train. She did one class and she hurt her back doing it during a break fall. So she's not going to train, but she'll come and hang out. And she's really great at hanging out on the beach. She's amazing at it. Like you've never seen anybody. <laughs> but I have this dream that one day you and I will meet in person and we'll get to uh, we'll get to train together and eat some good food together. But um, until that day, uh, Professor, you have a friend in me and we're going to just see whatever we can do to get people to to get behind to get behind you and your academy and your 800 black belts that trained with you <laughs> <laughs> well it is crazy because yeah but anyway jim these, i promise you this the next time that you come over here aloha roll is gonna have the spot for you to train and the spot for every visitor they have been in Aloha Row. I love and it. This community is gonna come strong. Yeah. This community is gonna come bigger. And then we're just gonna we're gonna create a spot where we can share more jujitsu for the ones that need it the most, the kids, the women. And then yeah. anybody else, they we know that we need it, right? We that but we're going to have more space and we're going to have a more quality space for all this great life changing events happens there. Amazing. That was, uh, that was professor Gilberto Castro of Aloha roll. Thanks my brother. Thanks for being here. No, it's a great pleasure to meet Jim. And then I can't wait to give you a big hug, man. Yes, sir.